The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Wrap, IGN, and other places as well. Everybody calls me Bibbs. I'm the other guy. Mm-hmm. You didn't tune in to hear me. Who, who, who are you my and name how did is, you get in my apartment? My name is Whitney Seibold, and I have a very elaborate series of picks and lock, lock picks and jimmies that can jimmy open doors uh the greatest joke we've ever encountered in any of our travels on the cancel too soon mm-hmm. podcast was from an episode of police squad where uh frank drebin mm-hmm. was impersonating a locksmith in order to go undercover and he broke into someone's house and they said how did you get here no who are you and how did you who get here you? i'm a locksmith and i'm a locksmith <laughs> Well done, indeed. Mm. Um, My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm yes. a film critic. I write for IGN. I uh, appear on the radio occasionally. Yeah, you're on KCRW's Press Play this week. Uh, yeah. You, you, you and I both get to do that, although not together. No, we're they, not allowed. They split us up. Mm. It's too much awesome in one show. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Now, I, I thought it was because we have various podcasts together, and they don't want to replicate that on the radio necessarily. Mm-hmm. But Dave and Alonzo get to go on together. Yeah, they're special. And they have four podcasts together. They the are two special of men. Yeah, they're, yeah. If, you, if you're not listening to Linoleum Knife or going on to their Patreon and getting mm. all of their wonderful exclusive podcasts on Patreon, mm. you're missing out. Yeah. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cancel too soon, and there's a whole bunch of bonus content on there. There's a new poll uh, for shows that we'll be reviewing in March. Hey, cats. <laughs> no more cats. We want more cat shows. Two more cat. Too too much cats. Well, we we need in honor of uh, Luca and Sergio, your two cats. We need to do a cat month. I I'm think. fine with that. If we can find <laughs> four short-lived cat-related shows, we'll just do them all back to back. I already got like two in my head. I'll figure this. Out. I'm writing it down. <laughs> we're gonna do we're gonna do cat shows. Yeah. That's now, it's, uh, it's, it's it's a long time coming. You but, might um, you might anyway, notice we, we have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/cancel yeah. too soon. There's a lot of bonus content on there. Yeah. Uh, you might notice also that. Uh, as this is not the show we promised, uh, we promised you last week that we would do Robocop the series this week, and we're working on it. it oh, yeah. Turns out, uh, Robocop the series is 22 one hour episodes, and it's taking us a while. However, we're making some good headway. But oh, we're, yes. not, we're not there yet, and we yeah, want to we make sure. It's not like we haven't started it yet. Mm-hmm. We just realized that because uh, it's a long weekend, you and I are both filming stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for various. Uh, web series. It's my birthday. Happy uh, birthday! Thank you. Uh, but we're just—it's well, it, just—we're not going to get yeah. the episode out in a timely manner. And we were like, okay, it's time to do what we do and whip out a pilot. Mm. And boy, did we find one! <laughs> we, we wanted to give you something this week. We'll have RoboCop to you uh, on Monday. But in the meantime, good golly, how is this hidden? How is no one <laughs> talking about what we're about to talk about today? Now, I, having seen it, I know, but like. 
It seems like the sort of show that people would at the very least talk about in hushed tones. Mm. There would be an important asterisk on the the filmographies of the people involved. Mm. It is a program that starred Vincent Price, horror legend. Mm. Vincent Price. Peter Lorre. Horror legend Peter Lorre. Yep. Both of them have been in classic movies in many different genres. Mm. They team up together as rare antiquities dealers who solve mysteries <laughs> that involve rare antiques. Now, it's called mm-hmm. Collector's Item. Mr. Munsey, didn't you once tell me that you knew a man in Amsterdam, a man named Hager? Ivor Hager. Yes. He's a thief, a very dangerous man. What about him? He uh, came to see me at the gallery. About me? No. He doesn't even know you're my associate. You know about the left fist of David? You mean the old legend? Yes, Mr. Hager wants me to believe that the fist is somewhere here in the Van der Lachen collection. Oh. Well, I've known Hager for a long time. He he has a sort of... You mean you think it could be here? If Hager says it's here, it's here. Collector's item. Th- this is uh, the earliest show we've done. I think so, yeah. I think we, this, it this was is, My Mother the Car, and now it's this. Yeah, now it's this one. Uh, because fifty-seven CBS, it aired in December, couldn't find the exact date. Okay, so sometime in 1957. So <clears throat> we're not talking about Peter Lorre and, and Vincent Price, like, well past their prime or anything. Mm-hmm. This, well, Peter Lorre's prime might have been in the 40s. Peter, Peter Lorre but, was, was no longer a draw, but... Uh, but Vincent Price was, like, right at the height of his powers. Yeah. Sergio, get off the counter. <laughs> Sergio, I can see... Okay, you're just going to ignore me. Right. You tell people about the wonders but of Vincent Price. The wonders of... Oh, good golly, the wonders of Vincent Price. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, so this wasn't like uh, uh, an instance of these two actors slumming it or doing TV because they couldn't get any better work. Mm. These were both, like, power players, big horror icons at the time. Mm-hmm. And they decided to do a TV program together. Because this was a good idea. Now, in the 1950s, uh, TV was seen as sort of a low medium uh, for film actors. Yeah, there was good stuff in there. And there were a lot of film actors who would do live plays, for example. And that Mm. was not considered, you know, such a... uh, uh, Mm. That wasn't so much of a demerit, but... um, yeah, yeah do, was, do, doing TV was seen as like a step down. It's for the thing a lot you want to break out of. Uh, doing radio was a, a better move than doing TV. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a lot of big uh, big stars would like reprise film roles in like radio form. Like Harry Lime had a whole series of radio adventures, for instance. Yeah, uh, after uh, his great appearance in, in, the, third in the Third Man, yeah. um, I think. I think Rick got to do like a sequel to Casablanca on oh, there's radio. Like, there were there's way more like, follow-ups to Casablanca than people realize. Yeah, like yeah, Casablanca yeah. was not a done-in-one. Like mm. we need to respect this timeless classic. No, they milked it. So yeah, in in the forties, you, you'd go to radio after you do the film. In the fifties, TV was still a relatively new medium, and it was seen as kind of like not a good move. So maybe this was seen as sort of like an admission that they were giving up. Uh, that, or but I, think I from, don't see it that way. <laughs> I see it as we are going to go from being, you know, well-recognized character actors mm. to big fish in this little pond. There you go. In television, holy crap, they got Peter Lorre and Vincent Price mm. together starring in a show, and a show with a pretty fun premise. When you're coming up with a show that's going to be episodic in nature... Mm. 
you want to make sure that the protagonists have some sort of like, lifestyle, th- occupation, hobby, something that gets them out of the house and gets them to meet new and interesting people. And on on a, a regular basis. <laughs> and is a system by which you can tell various different kinds of stories. And... You know, this is this is why we have a ton of cop shows, a cop, ton of doctor cops, shows, cops, doctors, and lawyers. Yeah. Those are the top three because there's always something interesting going on in those professions, even if it's not happening to everyone all the time. But there are others as well. There's obviously there's been a lot of spies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had there's not a lot of uh, a TV shows about like say long distance runners. Not so <sighs> much, but there are lots of shows about fugitives, people who are mm-hmm. constantly on the run. That you can build something out of that over and over and over again. And in fact, uh. uh Collector's Item isn't even the only show about antiques dealers. There's Friday the 13th, the series. Well, and I was reminded of Friday the 13th, the series. A, a fine show, by the way. Yeah. Repetitive like crazy. Yeah, the, hit or the, miss. Every, like, every single episode is the same. They, they had a very solid formula, though. Um, it, it, was was a, a, it was a Canadian series. Yeah, no, um, nothing to do with Jason Voorhees. It was mm-hmm. about a, an antique shop, and in a vault underneath the antique shop, they had... a nothing but cursed items and the the owners of the, the antique shop it was an old man a young man and a young woman uh would come in to save the day at the end of every episode yeah what happened was uh the owner of the antique shop died mm. and the two young people who inherited it they were like well we're, we don't care we're just going to sell everything off and then this old guy comes in who was an associate of their father uncle whatever mm. says you didn't you didn't sell everything off did you because all that stuff is cursed and they're going to get people killed and they're like no one left a note, <laughs> so now they're trying to reclaim Tr- track all the them all items. down. Yeah, but we didn't follow them. They weren't the main characters of the show. Not usually. No. They were supporting cast. The main character uh, it was a rotating protagonist, and it was always somebody who wanted something really badly, came upon one of the cursed items, and each one of the cursed items required a blood sacrifice. Pretty much to yeah. grant a wish. Yeah. No matter what it was, there was uh, some. Some were very specific. There was like a cupid statue that if you aimed it at someone, they'd fall in love with you. Yeah, but it needed a blood sacrifice. Of there it was, did. there was. I remember one was a pair of a, like magicians' coffins. Oh, and, I remember that. Yeah, one. and you laid in one, and the, these knives would sort of poke through it, yeah. and the magician inside one of them would be safe, but somebody else in the other one would die without the swords. Got it. It's like remote sword death. Interesting. The one I remember, David Cronenberg did one about like a faith healer who got actual faith healing powers. Oh, cool. Really, really good Mm. stuff. Um, Yeah, it's a hit or miss show, but it proves, I think, that the fundamental premise for Collector's Item, which in this pilot is not a supernatural show, Mm. uh, but the fundamental premise is interesting. And the type of people who would collect antiques, who would seek out antiques, could be fascinating people. The Mm. show, uh, again, it stars Vincent Price and Peter Lorre. Vincent Price plays what is the character's name henry prentice prentice yeah henry prentice uh runs an antiquities dealership uh at the beginning of the story he's already sold a rembrandt so you know he's (laughs) hoity-toity he's legit um and his assistant is mr munsey played by peter laurie and mr munsey has a shady past he is he used to be an art forger which makes him very good at spotting the real thing. Mm-hmm. So Vincent Price has hired him, but his his past comes into play and may or may not be important and a huge plot point. Well, but what we have here is a good dynamic because one of them is honest and one of them is shady. Yeah. And they can kind of butt heads. Yeah. Prentice always wants to do the right thing, be completely above board. Munzee is less concerned with that. Mm-hmm. He's often, he's tried to pass off a forgery like, what? Today. 
Like, yeah. by the way, by the way, this is a great Donatello. This is really awesome. And Prentice is like, you literally made that. And he's mm. just like, but it's good. Of course I did. Do you want to buy? <laughs> Boy, I love Peter Laurie so damn much. He's so damn much. Yeah. He's, he's really, really great. Vincent Price is really, really great. Vincent Price is, I think, known best for being a bit of a ham. Um, he can really play it up. Like, watch... Um, uh, follow the House of Usher, and he's really swinging <laughs> well, yeah. for the fences in that one. The, the, or uh, the, the, Theater the, of Blood, or the, the West L- Museum. The LSD scene in The Tingler is still one of his the centerpieces of his career, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but, he's yeah. he's got this wonderful British dignity, and then when he and he's he's very soft spoken, mm-hmm. very um, almost effete a lot of the time, and so when he really oversells something, it just adds this little extra layer of humor, mm-hmm. like. Not that you can't take it seriously. Sometimes you can. You think it's usually on purpose, but it's just sort of just like, oh, Vincent's acting. This is going to be great. <laughs> We're going to have a good time, folks. Mm. But he also was a really, really good actor when the material actually asked mm. it of him. You look at something in like uh, Laura. Laura yeah. was what I was thinking of, or the Conqueror Worm, aka the Witchfinder General. He's mm. terrifying in that movie. <laughs> um, his kind of woman is one of my favorite movies of his. No one ever talks about it. Seek it out. I don't want to ruin it for you. It's full I, twist. He he did a lot. Of, he didn't like horror at first in early in his career and uh i forgot which film he did hmm. where he like one of his very first horror movies and his character died at the end and he had a really miserable time filming it and then said he was never going to do another horror film again yeah and then proceeded to make 500 uh <laughs> well i mean he was i think his first horror film was the invisible man returns but i don't think that's what well, you're thinking of it might have been the invisible man returns okay. but that was uh, like his third feature but yeah, like early in his career, he said he didn't want to do horror, and that's all he did. And he was actually capable of so much. He would have been a great romantic lead, I think. Sure. Absolutely would have. But it's sort of pigeonholed a little bit. A little bit, mm. but he he made the most of it and had a wonderful career. Mm. Um, and Peter Lorre uh, was really kind of from the start the creepy guy. Mm. Uh, he was the, he was the child killer in Fritz Lang's M. Uh, he uh, he didn't he have like what was that movie where he had like the evil hands. Didn't he have, like, a yeah. hand transplant and they were a killer's hand or oh, something? Oh, right. I, I think it's just called Fingers or something. No, um, I don't think it's that. Not, not the Harvey that. Keitel film. Is it yeah. Mad Love? Oh, Mad Love. Yeah, Yeah, that's yeah, right. Mad Love. So, like, he, he, but he also had, was in a lot of very respectable movies, but usually as the creepy guy. Mm. He was in Casablanca as the creepy right. guy. He was in, in fact, the Maltese uh, Falcon as the creepy guy. A little bit of uh, trivia. You know the uh, Paul Freese narration from Disneyland's Haunted Mansion? You know, yeah. Welcome, foolish mortals. They, uh, I, I have the special like 30th anniversary CD that they only sold at the park at the time, mm-hmm. and they have voice auditions for that uh, and other voices they were used. That's they were amazing. considering for that one. And I guess Peter Laurie was in that one, one of the well, it wasn't Peter Laurie, but it was Peter Laurie's voice. They had uh. somebody imitating Peter Laurie. Uh. So, can you imagine that? You know, I can see it. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome, foolish. Mo- I can't do it, but uh, yeah. welcome, foolish mortals. Yeah, the yeah. welcome, foolish mortals was going to be a Peter Laurie voice for I can, a second. I can there, see it. they're also going to do sort of like a, a really stentorian Dracula kind of voice. Well, welcome, then, foolish mortals. Well, they ended yeah. up going with sort of a Boris Karloff on his day off. Yeah, kind of giving a speech at the Women's Rotary Club <laughs> kind of vibe. It was important. Is this but haunted like- room actually stretching? I'm going to get a drink. <laughs> 
It's Paul, um, Paul Freeze was his name, but but uh, yeah. So these are wonderful character actors. If you're not super familiar with their work, mm-hmm. there's a ton of great movies that they're in, and I hope you check them out. So if you're a fan of those actors and you're like, they were going to star in a show together, and mm-hmm. they filmed a pilot, and they aired the pilot, and it didn't get picked up. How the hell did it not get picked up? Well, we're going to tell you. Uh, is okay. I'm, sen- I'm sensing you didn't get a lot from this pilot. I, there's, there's stuff I like and there's stuff I right. don't think works at all. Okay. Um, so collector's item again. They, they run an antiquity shop, and at the beginning, uh, Prentice is told uh, there is an estate. You know, the rich people who own this mansion mm. have died, um, and they're the, in... The uh, Vanderlocken estate. Yeah, the Vanderlocken estate. Mm. Uh, has tons of antiquities. We need someone to look them over, figure out what's expensive, what's junk, and mm. help us liquidate all of these assets. And Prentice is just like, ooh, Again, which <laughs> this is, is what a, I love. A, a pre- and one of my favorite things the in the show and, is, one of my favorite things in the show is whenever like there's just stuff on the set, mm. like Vincent Price and Peter Laurie are just sort of looking at it and it's like, ooh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, this and while is, yeah. other people are talking and they're just like scoping out the bust of some famous person, like, oh, is well, the, oh it's not real. They're in character. It's good, good, good acting. No, just fun. It's yeah. a fun bit of business. I love that they have an obsession, and it's adorable. Mm. Um, so but the, the Vanderlocken estate uh, has been closed for a long time uh, to appraisers and and antiquities dealers. It's it's very Xanadu ish. It's just full of stuff. And uh, the opportunity to appraise it is a very rare one indeed. Yeah. So, of course, they're uh, they're very enthused to go there and appraise. Yep. Uh, but uh, just before he's about to go to the Vanderlagen estate, mm-hmm. uh, Vincent Price is approached by a mysterious gentleman who says, I have it on good authority that in the Vanderlagen estate, amongst their antiquities, mm-hmm. is dun, dun, dun. the left fist of David. And of which course, is, which is not threatening. It's like, it's like you know the nose of Todd. You know, they, they the gauntlet of David sounds threatening. Well, or even, vague or even, something. even David couldn't you have chosen like you know of, of Gilgamesh, something really mythic sounded. David, I know a guy named David. You yeah, know, left fist to David. It sounds like we're just the, saying hi. Hey, the, jo- bump Joey's elbow. They got Joey's elbow in there. <laughs> like. Portent, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they sell it up as if it's like the most famous mm. antiquity yeah, in history, well, and the idea is that it's the kind of antiquity. It's almost like rosebud, actually. Mm. It's everyone knows it, but no one actually knows what it is. They just mm. know that it is legendary and expensive. So it's in there and, somewhere, and they don't even know what they're looking for. And, and here, here's the one place where this pilot really falters. And I was thinking of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know how much they talk up the Ark? Yeah. It's, it is not of this world. It's this weird, like, before we even see it, mm-hmm. there's they all this... They show giant tomes with yeah, locks like, and, on and, them and, and here's like, Yeah, there's... Spielberg is expert at, you know, building up this thing we haven't seen. So by the time we see it, and, like, it rises slowly out of the stone, it's like, oh, it's finally there. Don't touch it. It's this weird mystical art- artifact. The left fist of David, they just say it's rare, and we don't know what it is. Mm, and they it's, couldn't and have it's said, expensive, and they're all, like, enthralled about how expensive it must be, but, but they, they don't they sh- say what They it should is. have said, and if we find it, surely it, pos- like, it contains the secret of X, or it has a curse on it, about or half- it's actually worth $18 million. You know, put something on it. About halfway through the episode, uh, there there is a conversation in which they hypothesize what it could be. And the theory that is apparently most popular is that it is the mummified left hand of King David himself. Yeah. Uh, and if that's the case, if there's someone we could prove that, that's a hell of a find. Mm. But we still don't know if that's what it is or not. And it's yeah, all just yeah, yeah. it's all just 
speculation. So if if you're going to put all of this importance on this MacGuffin, put importance on the MacGuffin. Well, make the MacGuffin seem like it really fucking matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the idea is this creepy guy who's clearly doing Sidney Greenstreet, but he's not Sidney Greenstreet. Yeah, but played by an actor named uh, Thomas Gomez. Okay, so mm. Thomas Gomez, mm. uh, he he says, okay, listen, there's the left hand of David, the left fist of David. Mm. Now, you're just going to be cataloging all their stuff. What if he just didn't catalog that one and no one ever knew mm, and we could just share the profits together and vincent price says no i don't do that i'm i'm very like, i'm very noble <laughs> yeah and he's just like oh well i uh i misjudged you and he leaves mm. and then vincent price goes to the vanderlock in estate and there he meets peter laurie and they talk about the left hand of the left fist of david mm. most scenes are talking about the left fist of david but not selling it very well just no. making sure the audience knows what it is um and then Gomez shows up, mm. and he, it's a really great scene, you actually. Gomez like he's Gomez Adams. <laughs> he, there's a really great scene where yeah. he shows up in the backyard. He's the neighbor, it turns out, of the Vanderlockens. Uh-huh. And he basically, like, winks like we have a secret and we're not going to tell the inheritors of the estate. Uh-huh. And then Vincent Price just says, this man came to me yesterday. He said the left fist of David is in your basement and he offered to steal it. And he's just like, oh, no, that was a practical joke. Isn't that right, Mr. Munsey? And Mr. Munsey has already established he knew who this guy was from his shady dealings. (laughs) And Mr. Munsey is just like, yes, I worked with him many years ago, back when I was doing shady dealings. And the guy's just like... I don't know how to end this scene. <laughs> like the scene is supposed to be our heroes are somehow ashamed of their past or ashamed mm. of their connection to this guy and they're going to hide it and that will be where the drama comes from. Our heroes are such good guys. We yeah. can't even get that fake suspense. It's really well, funny. I, I I saw that as sort of yeah, a way of establishing that we're not going to have those shady secrets. It's like I tried to do something shady. This is the antique world. We don't do that shit here, sir. <laughs> Yeah, you take your shady crap over to the celebrity letter Look, impersonators or whatever it was. Like, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring up Can You Ever Forget? Yeah. <laughs> but the other one I think of is uh, the Ninth Gate, where Johnny Depp oh, plays yeah, yeah, a, a shady rare book dealer, mm. and he's. And he's totally fine with conning people out of the most mm. valuable books in their collection. Which he does, yeah, that's the opening scene. He cons somebody out of their book collection. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's not a great good. movie, but it's a great bit. Um, I, I, I like The Ninth Gate. <laughs> I think it's trying to be Lovecraft, and it's not good enough. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but, uh, so, we're just on their side, and then we go into the basement, and uh, the Vanderlockens bring them tea. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we also are introduced to their kitty cat, Hannibal. Yeah. And there's this weird bit where, like, they're just talking about they're going over all of the various antiquities. Oh, here's a bust. And, uh, oh, here's a nice little vase. Oh, it's not actually worth that much. Here's a giant fuck-off chandelier. Let's roll that over there. That might not be important later. And then, uh, uh, yeah, and then we just keep cutting to a cat drinking the cream mm. from their tray. Like, four I, times. I'm watching this. It's like, is the cat going to die yet? Please. I was watching this with my wife. And, uh. you know, we have two cats, as you may have noticed. From the podcast, they've interrupted it twice already. <laughs> and our reaction, we're just watching this, and we're just like, hey, bad cat, down. Down. Stay out of the poison cream. I mean, Down. stay out of the cream. I thought, we, honestly, I didn't even go to poison because oh, the whole okay. movie seemed like, uh, the whole pilot seemed a little chill. And mm. I was like, maybe they just know the audience digs cats. Like so cat they're just, videos. They're just like, we want, listen. We, the, need, the, we have the cat, we're going to film it. Because frankly, mm. I'm just going to say it right now, this pilot is a little dry. It's it's a little too one location. Uh, it's now it's only a thirty minute pilot, mm. which in nineteen fifty seven was thirty minutes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah a standard. Um, yeah, 
but there's not a lot of trekking. There's only two locations. Mm-hmm. There's the office at the opening. I guess there's three because there's the exterior of the building, mm-hmm. and then there's the central chamber. And there's, there's I guess like there's a, a scene in a kitchen. It as all well. takes place mostly this one house. Yeah, like this could have been a single take play. Where they're just moving from set to set. In fact, it plays like it. And mm. in fact, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this started off as a radio drama. It's entirely be- possible. Because the way that they describe and re-describe mm. and always use proper nouns, or hardly any pronoun use in it, mm. is designed so that if you're not watching the screen, you'll get it. Yeah. Because frankly, there's with, aside from that little foreshadowing with the cat, there's almost no reason to look at the screen. There's it's, nothing really visible about it's it. It's all in dialogue. Well, and And... It's clearly done on a studio set, and they're not putting any attention into the antiques. They're picking up stuff, and it's stuff from the prop department. It's they're just clearly throw- stuff that was in a they closet. They might somewhere. have shot in that closet. Like, they didn't bother to bring it to a set. They just went to the prop closet mm-hmm. and said, okay, this is, an anti- this is an art dealer's house. Really? It looks like a prop closet. I wish I could have been there. There have been, like, auctions of, like, mm-hmm. just movie props, like... Universal just keeps all their movie props. You need mm-hmm. a pocket watch from from when? The 1860s, 1870s, yeah. 1880s. That's in this box. Aww. Boom. <laughs> but like there have been auctions of a lot of that stuff where we just we don't need all of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I could have gone to some yeah. of those well, because they sound amazing. A couple years ago they did a did that with the Star Trek vault. Do you remember? Oh, I heard and they, about they auctioned it. off like a Deep Space Nine, like one of the actual models they oh. shot on a I mean, it's like seven feet across. You can't keep it anywhere. But uh, yeah. I'll find a room. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find a way to do that. That sounds amazing. Uh, the star item, and the one thing they couldn't sell because it was too big, was an actual working shuttlecraft from Enterprise. Oh, yeah. And That's cool. And, and like it, you could plug it in, and all the computers inside worked, and the door opened and closed. They actually built a shuttlecraft. The shuttlecraft from the original Star Trek, wasn't it like too small for someone to actually be in, so they had to like sort of tilt, bow, their, bow their heads when they walked in and then cut to a different set? Uh, yeah, the, the, the interior was a set, and the exterior was yeah like a prop they had to build. But like the set that they built was like was, no people could fit in there, yeah, so they that, had to cheat it every time. It was really funny. Well, and that, that actually gave them a great excuse. There's an episode where Sulu is trapped inside, and there's a, like a frost giant on the outside <laughs> Banging a rock on the top. Oh, well, there Do you, you remember go. that episode? Yeah, vaguely, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and uh, they were able to just pick that that was a giant because they just had an actor stand next to it. It was like <laughs> th- two feet taller than the actual prop. That's funny. Mm. Um. So uh, so anyway. So it's so it's cheap. I get it's, it. It's cheap it's and it's talking. Che- it's cheap and it. Cheap and talking, you don't mind, especially from TV from the 50s. Yeah, I know. It's the standard. It's not going to be dynamic. It's the standard. So the the cat drinks the milk, and the cat is drugged. They think it's dead, and they think the guy who brought them the tea, Mm. one of the Vanderlockens, was trying to kill them because they know too much about the left fist of David. They confront the guy. They confront the the bad guy who who comes in, and he's in the middle of tossing a big bowl of salad. (laughs) the salad's almost ready do you live here what the fuck and then there's a long didn't you just come from that other the the antique chamber did you get the lettuce out of there where was the lettuce there's a big thing it turns out the cat wasn't dead the cat was merely drugged Mm. and they figure so it's okay folks the cat's okay cat's okay and Vincent Price figures okay well they're trying to scare us off they're Mm. trying to actually kill us but they are trying to scare us off and that's when he concocts a a rather clever scheme with Mm. Peter Lorre which is how do we flush these people out? Well, they're all, we're all looking for the left fist of David. 
Mm-hmm. What if we find it? And Peter Lorre's like, well, we don't know what we're looking for. Vincent Price's like, exactly. So it could be literally anything. So he has... Forge something. Yeah, yeah. Peter Lorre forges a mummified hand uh-huh. and puts it in with the with the antiques. And then he's like, oh, we found it. It's amazing. And of course... And I buy that they have the materials to do that. Well, like, yeah. Like it, looks, it looks like... Yeah, it looks like it's stuff they could find. Mm-hmm. You know? Like it, newspapers and scraps and stuff and it, paint. It, yeah. it looks really clever, actually. And... The Vanderlocken goes nuts, like, oh my god, it's gonna be worth so much money, I have to go call my agent, blah. And then the twist is yeah. that the the bad guy mm-hmm. is the bad guy. <laughs> like, the, well, the look, evil guy who, like, in the first scene was have, like, I want to I want to do evil things. We have the twist two, is, he was the one who was the bad guy all along. We have the two protagonists, we have the evil guy, we have the other guy, and then we have the secre- the unnamed secretary... Yes. Who is just sort of standing around. Thankless she, she, role. She does nothing at all. She has like three lines. Yeah, it's really kind yeah. of embarrassing, actually, yeah. like how little. Yeah, her, her credit is Prentice and Muncie's secretary. She's played by an actress named Whitney Blake. Yeah, but. Uh, That's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whitney Blake. Uh, she was in Hazel. If you saw Hazel. <laughs> She was on one day at a. She wrote for one day at a time. Oh, no kidding. All right. Um, oh, she created one day at a time. Really, the secretary is the is the creator of one day at a time. Creator of one day at a time. Well, good for her. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> that's really cool, actually. Uh-huh. Damn, like everyone's still talking about the show. Like it's on Netflix oh, they, they now. They just brought it's it really back. Pop- yeah, yeah, it's really pop. Wow, what a weird tie-in. <laughs> I wish I'd noticed that beforehand. We would have right. led with that. Okay, so it co-stars the creator. Co-stars the creator of One Day at a Time. <laughs> Holy crap! She was also on Hazel and and, and Mannix. So go figure. No, wow. Okay, so props to Whitney Blake. Yeah, you, really. Like there's For, a, this is a trifecta. This is an hell of a hell of a three. Well, wish I could have sat her down and asked her about this. Me too. Uh, sadly, she passed away. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's wow. Um, so there's uh, the bad guy reveals himself as the bad guy, and yeah. uh, he pulls a gun. He pulls a gun, and then he's like, "I'm held. I'll just take this away." Ha ha! Wait, why aren't you stopping me? Yeah. And that's when he figures out it's a forgery. Uh-huh. Pretty clever, actually. Uh-huh. Um, and he gets in a big fight with Vincent Price, and in the middle of the fight, uh, the gun goes off, and the gun sh- sh- shatters a bolt, like the bulb of a chandelier nearby, and the, it, also, that, it also blows Plato's face off. Would hope that wasn't expensive, yeah. but it blows the the glass off of that huge chandelier we mentioned earlier, uh-huh. and said it might be important later. Turns out it is. Blow off the glass of the chandelier, and you see a giant gold fist. And that's when you realize that the chandelier is held aloft by a giant fist, hence it's the left fist of David. Mm. And the whole chandelier, which is huge, uh-huh. it's like the size of a the size of a Yugo, it's the size of a car, entirely <laughs> made of gold. So quite valuable. Mm-hmm. Reasonably, like two tons of gold is what they said. Like it's huge. Um, and uh, they stop the bad guy, and they're like, "Oh, the chandelier!" And then. Uh, cats, I, I know it's a little predictable, but we're just going to have to live with that. <laughs> and then Vincent Price and uh, Peter Lorre are like, well, mm-hmm. enjoy your chandelier. We- well, they found, they found it and they yeah. solved the mystery. And, that, yeah. and that's they actually something I like. Yeah, they're not out for wealth. Yeah, you know? yeah like they're, they're in, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like Indiana Jones. He's in it to sort of uncover the mystery. He's not doing it to get rich. Well, it wasn't Temple of Doom. Well, t- that's a prequel. Yeah, I guess so. He hadn't hadn't matured yet. That, that's the plot of that movie. Is yeah. Indiana Jones well, maturing? And and a comparison to Indiana Jones to collector's item is not unfounded because they're both inspired by uh, pulp novels and serials that preceded them. Sure. Um, 
Spielberg grew up watching those serials and he just sort of adapted it in the early 80s. But it's the same type of material going through caves, looking for, you know, valuable artifacts, the Mm -hmm. sort of promise of finding magic in hidden away spots. Mm -hmm. That's the same premise of this. Yeah, it takes you you into the world of of history, takes you into the world of criminality, takes you into the worlds of the rich and the poor alike. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an an excuse to go anywhere. And we have two great actors with interesting parts. I mean, not sophisticated complex parts well, but interesting we have a good, it's a pilot yeah we it's have a pilot. we have a, a noble character which i think vincent price sells very well and we have a shady character which peter Lorre lives in so you know what <laughs> this is a it's not a great half hour of tv no it's very it's actually very stodgy and talky and kind of uneventful but i still want to see more that's 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 my that's okay. my thing as well when i said i have mixed feelings about this mm. because i think as an actual episode of television it's actually pretty boring, but <laughs> the premise is sound. Yeah, the cast is great, mm-hmm. like really could, rock could, solid. Couldn't get better than yeah, this, really. And, and like seriously, there's only there's like so many. Catherine Hepburn as the secretary instead, and then you're golden. Well, I think Catherine Hepburn probably was a little too big. Oh, well, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I was just trying to think of you know, famous actress from the 1950s. Yeah, no, fair enough. But I think um, oh. no, I think not Catherine Hepburn. Celeste but, Holm. There you go. Uh, but. Uh, Beverly Garland. Perfect. She injects some energy <laughs> I, into it. Yeah, and you know what? She 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 would have been free, too. <laughs> yeah, she would have. She'd been fantastic. But uh, no, it's the premise is rock solid. The uh-huh. cast is rock solid. You know, the pilot is... It's okay. It, it, honestly, I'm going to say something I've, I don't think I've ever said hmm. in terms of criticism. I don't uh-huh. think... As a critic of film, television, even video games, I don't think I've ever said these words before. <laughs> this really could have used some padding. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so short, it's so mm. truncated. There's no room to build the mystery. There's no room to build yeah. the suspense. Well, there, you want there it to be. Is... This should have been an hour long. It really should have. Mm. You know, there should be subplots. There should be red herrings. There should be an action sequence. There's room to make this a little pulpier. Because right now, all we have is we're going to establish what the left fist of, of David is. We're going to question it a little bit. There's going to be a cat, and then a fight, and then it's done. Mm. It's kind of. Kind of simple, and I want to. I want to have some time with these characters. I want to subplot something. Yeah, some something like uh, like baffled. Yeah, baffled was great at this. Mm. Baffled. If you haven't, if you're new to the show, we did baffled like a year and a half, maybe oh, two was, years was, ago was, now. Yeah, one one of our earlier shows yeah. at this point. But baffled was a really fun failed pilot from the 1970s, starring Leonard Nimoy as a race car driver who hits his head and becomes psychic and starts solving mysteries. And he teams up with a uh, female uh, parapsychologist and. It's great. It's got yeah, they, it's got a lot of charm. It's got a pretty good mystery. It's atmospheric. It's funny. It's got action. It's cool. What this needs is like two or three establishing shots of a really scary mansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one or two lines of dialogue about how the left fist of David will kill you if you touch it, or yeah. something along those lines. Sell of the omni. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's the other thing. If if this had gone on, mm-hmm. and if I were like at the network, I would be like, okay, I like all of this. Um, it needs to be a little longer. We need to let this one be like a longer television series and make it supernatural. You at want least it some- to actually be supernatural. At least yeah. sometimes. At least tease it. Give us a maybe, maybe not. Mm. You know, like it, this thing is haunted. Yeah. Lean into that a little bit. You right. can say it was all faked or something, but like we have Vincent Price and Peter Lorre at least play up the spooky angle. Uh-huh. You know, make- There's a painting. It's so, it's so bad. If you look at it, you go insane or whatever it is. Yeah, there are plots you can do around that. And yeah, if you want to dance around how real it was and sometimes it's real, sometimes it's not, yeah. I'm fine with that. But I think that would really make it sore. And I think if that were the case, 
people would remember this. People would know about this. People talk about this. Apparently, this was a special feature on uh, a DVD of The Last Man on Earth, which is a very underrated mm. Vincent Price movie. Yeah. It's the first it's the Omega Man it, yeah, story. It's yeah. the first adaptation of Richard Matheson's I Am Legend. Mm. Um, and it's in many ways, it's the most faithful adaptation, and it's really quite good. <laughs> uh, and Vincent Price, again, plays the hero in that one, and it's nice. He's the last man on Earth. Every hum- other human being has been turned into a vampire, and every night he's just defending his house, and it's mm. great. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Uh, half of then there was the Omega Man in the seventies with mm-hmm. Chuck Heston, um, which is half of a good movie and half a completely stupid, ridiculous movie. I've actually never seen that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah. on TV once when I was a kid. I probably okay. saw a little bit, but I don't remember. And, uh, and, then, and then there was the Will Smith version. Will Smith version called uh, I Am Legend, which were the vampires were more like zombies. And then one. there was the Asylum version. I Am Omega. Was there really? Yeah, I think it started. Mark, <laughs> I think it started Mark. You been- ghost. <laughs> Of course it did. Yeah, hang on. I am Because Eric Roberts was busy that week. And yeah, Mark DeCoscos. Oh, God. Eric, Eric, Eric Perret wouldn't, wouldn't do it. <laughs> like or Michael, sorry, Michael, Michael Perret. Michael Perret. Michael Perret. Yeah. Get, your, get your shit together. Eric Roberts, Michael Perret. Yeah. Okay, okay. Now I see <laughs> I, I, what I, I they, they got mixed up in my brain for a second. It, it all makes I think sense that would now. be understandable. All right, so listen. What, what happens? Uh, like, come up with some other antiques. Oh golly! Anything? Well, like, well, let's come up with some. Let's, okay. let's, let's we're gonna make collectors item. Let's say the rights are available because, for all I know, they fucking are. Like, <laughs> let's, let's make collectors item into a show. First off, okay. we're gonna do it today. To, okay, we're starting so we're, right now. Okay, so who do we get? Like, who are like a couple mm. of horror icons we can get right now? We get Tony oh, Todd. I, I was gonna say uh, we get uh, we get uh, b- 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 Ken Forey mm. and uh, Keith David. Ken Forey and Keith David. Those two. They were they were together in I like that. They were together in in that documentary film Horror Noir, and now I can't separate them in my head. I no, want I want to, them to star in something together. No, no, I say I like all yeah. of that. That's Ken, great. Yeah. Ken Forey and Keith David. Love it. Uh, Keith David's uh, the the straight laced one, and Ken Forey's the the kind of dastardly character. Yeah, the one the forger. Yeah, yeah, got it. Love it. All right. So, what kind mm. of antiques are they finding? Like, what are the what are the creepy things that mm. they're trying to authenticate? Uh, Hitler's Bible. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. That's a great title. Hitler's Bible. It's good stuff. Uh, um, oh, God, what else? Uh, or how, how about the first copy of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion? And they can really kind of fight the anti-Semitism that's sort of hovering around that item. That's getting yeah. real political now, uh, but okay, that's why, fine. Why not? <laughs> um, oh, uh, mm. they could do like an like a mi- – okay. A haunted I, piece of like an like a forbidden hmm. Disney amusement park ride. Like no oh, one knows yeah. this. The, the the day the park opened, <laughs> there was a secret ride that yeah. no that no one knew about. Well, it. it was the darkest, most malevolent ride ever. And they the closed thing. it after one day. If, and this is the seven head that was the centerpiece. If if we. Uh, if we're setting this in the present day, if it's set in 2019, yeah. we can have artifacts from when the original was shot. Yeah. So why not go a little meta with it? This is Vincent Price's coat. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. I, I buy that. There is actually, mm. I, I wish the whole movie had been about it, but um, there was a horror movie on the Sci Fi Network uh-huh. called The Sands of the Mummy or something like that. And. It was about Cecil B. DeMille when he brought over all these like real Egyptian artifacts for his like production of Cleopatra. Oh, he brought some cursed ones. He with brought him. some cursed ones with him, and then they just left them in the desert because it wasn't worth it. Oh. And it's about an archaeological dig to dig up Cecil B. DeMille's sets, and they actually find and some they find a mummy. That's a fun setup. Uh huh. 
It's not a good movie, but it's a fun set. Marina Baccarin's in that. Oh, I like Marina Baccarin. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Uh, it's not great. Right. <laughs> How about... Uh, I'm only thinking of film memorabilia just because we live in LA. It's like the shoes from the red shoes or turns out they're cursed. Um, I mean, that would be enough. Honestly, I could totally see a whole show just yeah, about the, finding the, like the old rem- Hollywood memorabilia. Well, there you go. The, the remains of a... Well, but yeah, you know, that, that's not nearly varied enough. No, but. that's probably more of a reality show yeah. than anything, but I'd still like to see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, God. I don't know. Send us in your suggestions. Like there you just go. Uh, just of items people could find. Yeah, like send send it. Come yeah, up with cur- a, come, come up with a great piece, a cursed fake piece cursed of item that's clever, cur- funny, weird cursed piece of clothing. Um, well, yeah, but that's fake. I'm talking yeah. about have some fun with it. Mm. Pitch us an episode of collector's item. Mm. Vincent Price and Peter Laurie, or if you want to go present with it, mm. you do Keith David and Ken Forey. Ken, Ken Forey, yeah. thank you. I almost forgot, it was, I almost said Carl Forey. I knew it was <laughs> Ken Forey, yeah, yeah. You do. Whichever version you want, just clarify which version you want to do, and then come up with a haunted artifact or a mysterious artifact of some kind, and then give us your elevator pitch. Just tell us the plot in two sentences. <laughs> I want to read them. I want to make this show, because although this first episode was, frankly, not very good, this was obviously canceled too soon, it's, because there surely should have been more of this. There's, there's so much potential, even with... Even if they stuck with something a little bit limited, clearly they were on a very low budget. Clearly, and they could they couldn't do too many sets. Mm-hmm. There's enough on the Universal backlot that you could get away with a lot, yeah. and they did. And there's you easy a way you a can museum, have museum for God's sake. It'd be in, fine. in a museum at the old West Town. Here's a, a gun that needs to be authenticated. Mm, it's Billy the like, Kid's yeah, Billy gun. the Kid's gun. That would be fine. It's a whole here's, episode. Yeah, it's a great episode. Here's here's a little suburb, and it turns out somebody died in the fountain, and you know, there's hide something in there when they were dying. You know yeah. something. There's plenty you could do just in the Universal backlot. There's an easy way to make a cheap show. Off of this premise, yep. And there's a great way to make a really elaborate show out of this premise. You the can make premise, a movie out of this premise. The premise is sound. Yeah, the premise is great. <laughs> Hello, the a, cast was great. So just keep on going. I'll say this right now. Huh. Not the best title. The title doesn't just collectors pop. item. It yeah. doesn't really pop. Mm. The collectors is better. The collectors <laughs> yeah. is a fine title. The, the collectors item makes the it appraisers. Sound, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Look what I found. No. With an exclamation point. The exclamation point makes it fun. It would have to be, I found it. Also not bad. Uh, yeah. That's not bad With an exclamation all. point. You could call that, it's taken now, but at the time, Eureka. Oh, there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fun. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, pitch us your... your of course, uh, the, these days it would be called Unearthed. That's also and, not bad. And the Unearthers. The Unearthers. <laughs> that's not bad. And the problem is they they couldn't do episodic TV anymore. That's just sort of not a thing anymore. No, it's done, but it's not popular. It's not it's a not, popular it's not format. Yeah. You know, even even when Matt Groening came back with a new animated series, they still had to add like multiple episode arcs. It's like I don't. I, I didn't care for it personally. Yeah. Did you see work. Disenchantment? I got two episodes in and I gave up. I didn't I, like it. I, I, just I thought not, I thought the, not that strong the, a show. The, the characters were confusingly like put together, where yeah, their motivations like, changed from scene to scene. You know, and, they're just like they're capable. Yeah. They're drunk. They're yeah. capable. They're, they're cynical. Drunk. They're it's, optimists. Yeah. Like you got to pick something oh. for God's sake. <laughs> um, especially when it's supposed to flow in from episode to episode. Mm. In episodic structure, you can make changes over time and it'll seem more organic, but yeah, you're, that didn't mm. work. Um, so, yeah, so email us, uh, canceledusoon at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Send us your pitches for collector's item episodes. I want to read them all. <laughs> I want to be able to do an episode with nothing but collector's item pitches. Write as if, or, write as, as if you're going to write it. <laughs> as Basically, if you're going to write that episode. Be excited. 
being said. Don't send us a whole script. We're talking an elevator pitch. Let's go to... Tell us the the title. The title is the name of the artifact. Give us the two or three sentence elevator pitch. Mm. That's what I want. And we'll we'll work from there. So who owned... This was aired on CBS. Yes. But uh, do you think CBS still owns the rights to this? It's pretty old. It's old enough. And honestly, that's the kind of thing where I'd be surprised if anyone re-upped it. I honestly don't know. Let's just go to All Access. (laughs) CBS All Access and pitch our ideas. To write something down. Oh, I'm writing it down. <laughs> All right. Gonna check it out. Mm. Okay, so everybody, thank you very, very much for listening to this episode of Cancel Too Soon. We will be back next week with Robocop. Promise. <laughs> um, and again, we could have done it now. We just didn't want to wait three more days to do it. So mm. we'll be back next week with Robocop. We're very excited because I'm going to tell you this right now. And I can tell you if it's good or bad, but Robocop the series... We're really glad we watched it. There's some really interesting <laughs> stuff in that series, and it's going to be a real fun t- conversation to have about mm. it because, damn. Um, so that's what's going on there. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts. Critically Acclaimed and our new show, The Two Shot, are both on the Schmoes No podcast feed, wherever fine podcasts are podcasted. And if you want to get bonus content, we just did a review of the TV movie Fatal Desire with Eric Roberts and Anne Heche. Mm. Uh, that is patreon.com slash canceled too soon and also we're on twitter at cancelcast i'm at william bibiani i'm at whitney seibold and um i guess that's a wrap folks we'll see you next season